listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. In this group, we sometimes kid around about how there is nothing, no thing, and no one to teach. And I say kid around because when I was a, um, a student, an earnest, earnest young Zen student, uh, my teacher used to say that. It used to frustrate the hell out of me. It's like there's nothing to teach. What, then why am I wasting time here? You know? But he meant it on a different level. It wasn't just there's nothing to teach. Clearly, any spiritual teaching or teacher offers up something that hopefully resonates. And when they do it well, as he did for me, he brought his full expression to the moment. That was it. He brought his full expression to the moment. In other words, he was all there, all the time. He didn't allow for my ego to screw around and play its games. One of the skills that I'd learned as a young kid was uh, to be the jester. It's always the jester, always screwing around, always, you know, the, the quick comment and so forth, the, uh, the tease, the kid, the chide, the, um, and sometimes I was even funny. Uh, but in this case, with the teacher, it didn't work at all, at all. And it wasn't that he didn't have a sense of humor. It's that he had no interest in letting me fall into my habitual patterning. He wanted to call me on that. He wanted to shine the light of awareness onto my ego. So the experience I had much of the time was as if I was suddenly on stage and the spotlight, boom, just lit up on me. And I had nowhere to go and I didn't know my lines. Have you ever had that dream before where suddenly you're asked to perform? And I had this dream actually just the other night and I remember in the dream being conscious of the laughter because I knew it was a dream, so I had a great time with it. Uh, I was asked, no, this is bizarre. I was asked by the police, you know, Sting, Stuart Copeland, and Andy Summers. I was asked by those guys to come on stage and do an acoustic guitar rendition of Roxanne. There is no way in hell I could do an acoustic rendition of Roxanne. Uh, nonetheless, I, I got on stage and I had a hell of a time. It was quite a lot of fun. 
knowing full well it was a dream, hey, why not? The problem is, and I, of course I woke up and thought, oh, wow, that was really fun, that was cool. Problem is, it's very difficult to live life like that, even though our life is much the same way. This experience that we're having right now, on the one hand, is very real. You can taste it. You can feel it. You think, therefore, you are. But on the other hand, as my teacher used to point out, there's more to the story. And so what we do is we allow for the floodlight to get turned on. And we don't hide. We don't run from that light. Instead, we stand there naked, alone. And if we do that enough, with enough intention not to move, to just allow that to happen, that white, hot light will burn away exactly what it is we don't need. Awareness shines through all the habitual patterning. The jester no longer really has court anymore. The victim no longer really has any, anybody to whine to. The fixer, the saboteur, the boss, the nightmare, the negativity, all of that stuff begins to kind of take a back seat to something really rich, very present, and very eternal. And that is what we call your original face, the ground of being, your Christ consciousness, presence, the now, openness, Stillness. Pick your terminology. It's all exactly the same thing. It is all exactly nothing. It is exactly no one. It is space. And that's what we're here for. To just find that space that's always already here. I once went to hear a talk given by this, this uh, gentleman who had been just deeply, deeply uh, ensconced in a particular tradition. Uh, and he is a full, full house at this place where people were listening to him speak. And he got up walks up to the, the front, turns around, and uh, he happened to be in the Zen tradition. And in the Zen tradition, once you get to the, the, some of the higher levels of uh, practice, uh, it really becomes a lot about cloth management. I mean, he had all these robes that he was kind of futzing with and everything. And, and uh, uh, part of me thought, man, that'd be really cool to be able to do. And the other part of me was like, 
that seems so silly. Total wrestling match was going on within. So he sits down after uh, he gets all tidied up and squared away and put in his, in his posture and everything. And he just stared. Minutes went by. Just kind of looked around the room. And then he left. <laughs> and I was like, what kind of bullshit is this, man? I just spent 50 bucks to come here, you know, for this weekend, and his first Dharma talk is precisely nothing. Oh. Huh. Nothing. Now, his Dharma talks over the course of the rest of the day, of course, we went right back onto our cushions and everything. I was still kind of steaming and everything. But it was perfect. And I'm tempted someday to do that to you guys, but I probably wouldn't work uh, the same way. <laughs> I'd have stuff thrown at me. But it was beautiful. It was a beautiful teaching. Um, to his credit, he wrapped it all up, like I said, in the later talks later in the day. But it reminds me of how important it is for us to recognize that this is our work. The teacher doesn't do anything for us. I have nothing to give you. I have no you can do all the projection you want onto me or anybody else. It, it, that's just ego. That's the stuff that gets in the way of your realization. For what it's worth, I lead an incredibly boring life. except when I go to college sports events, and then I'm fairly exciting and fun to be around. But rest of the time, I'll actually just ask my wife. She'll tell you, I'm very boring. All kidding aside, though, this is a very, very, it's a very, very interesting place for us to mine our mind. Does that make sense? To mine, dig, 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 into our mind. What is really going on internally? What are your expectations? What are you petitioning for internally in relationship to spiritual work? Most people show up because there's some rub. Something's not quite right. Something's amiss. And that's actually a really good place to start. That's a really good place to start. When stuff isn't going exactly the way you'd like, suddenly the universe is getting ready to either knock or blast through the door of ego's house. Remember the uh, nursery rhyme, the three little pigs, or the story of the three little pigs? Well, there should have been four. Uh, the first one makes his house out of what? Straw. And the universe comes along. Read, wolf. Okay, wolf comes along, blows the house down. Okay, he's lost. 
right? And then we go to the next one. What did he make it out of? He made it out of sticks. sticks. Very good. Wood, sticks. Makes it out of sticks. Okay. And the wolf comes along. Ultimately, blows it down. But then the hero of this story, symbolically, is the most egoic of all. Okay? How cool would it have been if there was a fourth little pig who didn't need shelter, willingly gave every bit of his attention to the, si to the situation at hand, okay, and responded appropriately to the threat. That can be us. What's an appropriate response, no matter what is huffing and puffing and trying to blow our world apart? What is our appropriate response to that? And every one of us has different triggers to that. Maybe it's, maybe it's Fox News. Maybe it's our mother-in-law. Maybe it's uh, some, somebody in the blogosphere writing stuff that we don't like. Maybe it's uh, the New York Times. Maybe it's those damn Democrats. Maybe it's whatever. It can be. I, I, use, I use those examples because they have the most, the, the trigger points are so, so powerful. Regardless, if we meet them, if we meet them from a place that is not hell-bent on defending against, but actually being alive to, we suddenly have more choices. And that's really this work. This work is ultimately about having more choices. And there becomes a choice-less participation in how we meet our world when we begin to be totally open to the universe knocking on our door. Every single moment can be practice in that space. Every single moment can be a time for you to stop. Just stop. For a moment, just stop. Let go of the stories that are being written by your ego. Let go of the need to defend. Let go, just for a moment, of your panic about what could come around the corner. Let go, just for a moment, of all the misdeeds that were thrown your way in your past. Let go, just stop, stop. And in that moment, what you become is, instead of a little pig, being threatened by a wolf, you become the wolf's breath. Now, I want to be really careful here because this may sound very much like, oh, all I have to do is just check out and I'm fine. No, it doesn't work that way. That's an avoidance pattern that keeps us in our minds. 
and our minds keep us from the universe, okay? From that oceanic perspective. Instead of seeing ourselves as the ocean and all people and all situations as waves in that ocean, we see ourselves as a particular wave that's bound to crash. It's bound to have disastrous things you know, happen. We, we, metaphorically, that may be awkward, but you get the idea. It's like we begin to participate from a much bigger place. Our hearts begin to open. Those of us that are totally in our heads begin to drop down into our bodies a little bit more and live from there in a much more holistic, grounded, undivided way. Those of us that live in our hearts and are all about feeling and kind of get whipped around by our emotions and so forth, develop a certain strength. Eros and agape, together, we begin to integrate ourselves. We become fully functioning, fully functioning humans. So here again on this projection idea that we kind of touched on at the beginning of this talk, there are so many in my view, for whatever this is worth, so many misconceptions about what it means to be awake in this life, what it means to lead a life <coughs> that is enlightened. It doesn't mean going away. It doesn't mean checking out. It means checking in totally. Absolutely checking in with every bit of our being. so that we can occupy, as I said before, that ground of being, that space, that nothingness, that emptiness. It can come through us, from us. We become just this evolutionary impulse that is the universe. We can just kind of relax and go. We can see that this experience that we're having right now in this room is simultaneously a dream and real instead of just being the reality. Our minds begin to become tools. Our egos become tools instead of us getting worked by ego or worked by our minds, battered by ego battered by our minds, we begin to have a more open dance. We get on that stage with the police and play an acoustic rendition of Roxanne with every bit of our being. As we're spreading jelly on our toast. as we're enjoying a quiet bite to eat with our beloved, as we're watching our child or our grandchild or our friend's child sleep. The point of this is a relative ease 
or difficulty in an interaction has no bearing on our awareness. Our awareness is free of all of that. So let's say I'm with uh, you know a couple people. This is actually very true. I was with a, a group of, of five, and we were doing this, and um, uh, three of the people spontaneously just started crying. And I'm, I'm fine with that. That wasn't such a big deal. But then it was just like this, this pain, pain, pain. And I just kind of sat there. And I was very new to uh, uh, spiritual work. This wasn't a Zen workshop that I was doing. But I was very new to this kind of whole idea. I was like, what the hell am I doing? You know, <laughs> Boy, this is fun. Um, but my awareness, looking back on it, my awareness was something that was participating fully. And that can become such an amazing tool, such an amazing expanse when you recognize that no-thingness between us and our situation, when we can create space around our situation. It's very, very powerful. So I'm curious if there are any uh, questions that came up for any of you. Ah, sorry, yeah. Um, I guess I, I, I felt in the past like if I'm meditating and I'm really calm and centered and everything's going well that it should never be a, a root canal. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, welcome the root canal, though. As funny as that sounds, um, the root canal always, the more you practice, Bobby, the more you start recognizing how wonderful it is when the rug gets pulled right out from under you. When, you, when you're at a point in your work where you kind of think, oh, man, this is good. I'm just really... You know, uh, to use a freeway metaphor, when you're driving along and people are just letting each other in and so forth, and, you know, there's no jam, it's slow and go, and everybody's kind of like, you know, they wave. And it's an amazing, like, how our egos are, like, totally fine with somebody jumping right in front of us as long as they do that with their hand. You know, I mean, we're like, everything's, you know, we're going down the freeway. Everything is nice. And then there's that knucklehead, okay, who, who does something that is just, it's, it's dangerous or it's, it's just a stupid cell phone, you know, type, whatever, whatever. Well, for them to be a knucklehead, it takes us. It takes our judgment. And being able to constantly step back from our resistance or our negativity, okay, or our greed for more of a certain situation, being able to watch it like that is what, exercises, if you will, that spaciousness, that no-thingness. And so we begin to get into a space where we actually feel more of the world. We feel more of our emotions, but they matter less. They carry less weight. So the root canal happens, but it gives us something to work with. It's a new challenge. We're constantly being challenged in our practice. 
And if we're not challenged in our practice, we can get numb. So it's a really cool thing when root canals come up. <laughs> I really like that metaphor, <laughs> the root canal. <laughs> That's a good one. with Claire first and then Marguerite you'll you'll be next okay yeah Claire mm -hmm. doesn't life bring the root canal the, the traffic problems whatever is that not the nature of life yeah give us those opportunities Ex exactly that's a really neat way of it life has the universe gives us everything we need to practice Okay, everything we need to develop a deeper and deeper and deeper practice. We don't hit an end point in this. There's no omega point in this work. Ego would love to think there is because then it can manage the situation, but there isn't. It keeps going. So the universe is going to give us challenges constantly. How we learn to meet them is, is that's it. Yeah. Instead of this, blocking ourselves from it, or instead of wanting more of it, okay, it's right there. We just let it happen, but we meet that fully. We give it space. Just give it space, whatever the tragedy. Whatever the profound and wonderful success, whatever it is, we give it our full attention. And once again, in this way, all the stuff that keeps happening becomes a circumstance, okay? Rather than a tragedy, it is a circumstance that we imbue with a certain aware presence. And that open presence allows for us to grieve, I'm picking this out of the air, but allows for us to grieve fully, allows for us to feel more of the pain that we might have been running from that we didn't want to face. But simultaneously, it gives us a certain freedom. That in us which is aware is totally, it's not touched by circumstance. It's our ultimate life. And we get to live there if we want, if we can practice that. Marguerite, you are next. Yeah. I think he would have run, probably, because <laughs> he didn't have a house. You know? I yeah. Well, in other words, where I was awkwardly, I was I was uh, trying to point out that that our ego, um, our ego builds a house out of straw. When, for instance, it. Can I radically change the story? Is that okay with you? <laughs> Our egos build a, a, a house out of straw when they try to hang on to, say, physical appearance. That house will get blown down by the universe. The wolf will blow that house down. And it's kind of, initially, it becomes 
kind of aggravating when we see someone who is really working hard to stay looking 26, you know? And they've had a lot of work done or, you know, whatever. We, we you know, it's it, uh, on the one hand, on the one hand, we look at it with judgment and go, God, I wish, you know, he wouldn't do that or she wouldn't do that. And then there's kind of a, a recognition, yeah, well, there's an aspect of me that wishes I still looked like that. So we begin to have kind of a compassionate space around that person's house of straw. Instead of body image, then we move on, say, to mind. And somebody who builds an entire life around their intellectual understanding of things or the number of letters that they have after their name, they build a house out of wood. Okay? It's a little, it's not subject as much as the body is to the onslaught of the universe. It's still subject to change. And if it's not subject to change, if the mind is not, if it's just stayed and stale, it loses, it loses its integrity. That house will get blown down by the universe. The pig that <laughs> builds, <laughs> builds his or her house out of brick is building a house out of a deep abiding peace that is not going to get blown around by the universe's whim. Okay? The fourth pig has brick, wood, and straw and doesn't care if the universe blows its house down. It'll build a new one. Now, I don't know that that particular story is going to get sold anytime soon in a children's literature section, but, <laughs> but we get the idea that, that what we don't want to do is build a flimsy, a flimsy foundation to our practice or to our life. And most of us find that, that show up to spiritual, spiritual work, find that our house of straw or our house of wood has been blown down. How do we make the brick? What happens is we learn how to make that house of brick and then recognize that we are the wolf, we are the pig, we are the brick, the straw, the wood. We start seeing that, there's, that we are all of this stuff, that every single one of those aspects of the story are just coverings that are on certain facets of this jewel we call me. I don't know if that helps at all. It does. Okay. All right. Yeah. The aspects to our personality. Mm -hmm. The aspects to our personality are merely smears on the facets of this gem that we've named Marguerite. Or Claire, or Michael, or Jen, or mm -hmm. Kathy, anybody. So what, what our work is to polish that gem. Blow that house down. Taken by words now, mm. sitting in here, 
I'm afraid to even say what actually comes out. Goal's fine. I, I gave you permission earlier. It still still applies. Robert, go ahead. If I were a pig. <laughs> <laughs> trying to elevate consciousness, mm. to be able to stay focused, centered in my body, in the real, in a, in the real reality. I even hate to say real reality because I'm not sure I even get what real reality is because it keeps changing on me. Right. Or then that's it, it's a moving target. That's 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 the small reality. The awareness is the big reality because your awareness of that change doesn't change. My question is, <laughs> how do I, how, you have spoke before about uh, putting energy into the focus, focusing, you know, uh, trying to focus hard on the mouse hole, and that was in the Eckhart Tolle's book. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so let's go over that. That means watching in the mouse hole, in the power of now, Tola does this great, it's a great metaphor that I heard years ago, and I just love it. You watch your mind like a cat would watch a mouse hole. Any thought that comes out, little mouse, instead of attacking it, just watch it. Just watch it. Okay, so I just want to make sure everybody knew the metaphor. I'm watching the mouse hole. Yeah. And it, I, I lose interest. There's no thoughts coming out, even for a moment, and then I just go, oh, and I just kind of zip off over into nowhere. Mm -hmm. How do I keep interest? It feels almost boring to a degree to watch a mouse hole. Right, the great divine yawn is pretty much what we're uh, talking about there. Ego, once it starts getting bored, it's got reason to leave. So what you've articulated there beautifully is ego trying to watch its own mouse hole. Okay? That in you which is totally present, okay, which is totally present, then watches the boredom. Okay? That in you which is kind of present is ego that's bummed that it's getting bored. There are no more thoughts coming. <laughs> All right? And that little judgment right there is a thought. All right? So there's always <laughs> further to... We can always back out. Back out more. Watch, 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 watch. And don't flinch. Just watch. And let, it, let that carry you. Let, and keep at it. Keep at it. And if your ego is panicking because there's a certain blind, it feels like it's falling blindly. The universe itself will, will, will catch, will catch the very thing in you, which is deep and true, because the universe is the thing in you that's deep and true. There's nothing falling. It's bizarre, I know, and words do get in the way, you're, you're totally right, but the, there is just a, just be there. Don't move. And if you're feeling bored, be aware of the boredom. If you're feeling irritated, be aware of the irritation. If you're feeling a root canal coming on, get ready. Stiffen your spine a little bit and watch. At the same time, be tender. Be tender with yourself. I see so many people who like show up and they're just like exhausted, for instance, in a sitting. And part of you should be to meet that. Other, other part of you, please take a nap. Be good to yourselves. 
be good to yourselves. This, this is hard work, you know? So be good to yourselves and be good to other people. Let that kindness go in and then give it away, you know? I love you guys. Ha, ha, ha.